So, um, Acts 13, and we're going to start with verse 13, since our time is already mm-hmm, yeah. leaving us. We're going to start, I'll just read. Then Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. John, however, left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went down to the synagogue and sat down, after the reading of the law and the prophets. The officials of the synagogue sent a message saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, give it. So Paul stood up with a gesture and began to speak. You Israelites and others who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. For about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. After, that's interesting. This is so typical of Hebrew. It's not as typical with Greek. But (laughs) he he led them out. For about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Uh, It has a footnote and says, other ancient authorities read, cared for. So probably the Hebrew, there was a Hebrew text or something. Hebrew thinking behind it. Mm-hmm. Because it seems to me there might be a word in Hebrew that could mean both, but I may be wrong. At any rate, there was a discrepancy um, in scribes about whether it was that God put up with them or cared for them. I think he did both. But. All right, I think so too. <laughs> After he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance for about 450 years. After that, he gave them judges until the time of the prophet Samuel. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who had reigned for forty years. When he had removed him, he made David their king, and in his testimony about him he said, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart, who will carry out all my wishes. Of this man's posterity, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had already proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his work, he said, What do you suppose I am? I am not he, no, but one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals on his feet. My brothers, you descendants of Abraham's family, and others who fear God to us, the message of this salvation has been sent. Because the residents of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize him, or understand the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. They fulfilled those words by condemning him. Even though they found no cause for the sentence of death, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news, that what God promised to our ancestors he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As to his raising from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy promises made to David. Therefore he has said in another psalm, You will not let your holy one experience corruption. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, died 
was laid beside his ancestors and experienced corruption. But he whom God raised up experienced no corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, my brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from those sins, by which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, what happens... Beware, therefore, that what happened, that what the prophet said does ha- not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perished, for in your days I am doing a work that you will never believe, even if someone tells you. As Paul and Barnabas were speaking out, or going out, the people urged them to speak about these things against the next Sabbath. When the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and blasphemy. They contradicted what was spoken by Paul. Then both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It is necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you rejected and judged yourselves to be unworthy of eternal life. We are now turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have sent you to be a light for the Gentiles, so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and praised the word of the Lord, and as many as been destined for eternal life became believers. Thus the word of the Lord spread throughout the region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the region. So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wow. There's no theological treatment here by Paul of what the gospel is, is there? It's not like Romans. Ken just tells the history. He just tells the history, this is what happened. And what does he seem to emphasize here? That God had a plan Uh that has been basically clearly um, revealed through history. And you're still rejecting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, That's the big picture. Uh, looking a little more closely, he talks about the rejection of Jesus, mm-hmm. how they had him killed, and then he spends almost as much time, if not more, on the resurrection mm-hmm. and the aftermath of the resurrection. So for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus is equally important to his death. And I think that's why he says, I think it's in Corinthians, that without the resurrection of Jesus, we would be most miserable. Mm-hmm. His death would not have the meaning it does if he were not raised from the dead. Anything else from this about salvation and atonement that you find? Well, you know, it's interesting in, in 29, it says, when they carried out all that was written about him. So, like, it's like all this has been revealed by the prophets. And you mm-hmm. still, you know... And they still carry out the script, carry don't they? The, they carry out the script and so forth to a T. And then, and then boom, they raise him from the dead. And you still don't... And, and it's, there's all these witnesses and you still don't accept yeah. them. Yeah. So, how blind and stubborn can yeah, you be? Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid we can be just as blind and stubborn. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Just a few details. I recognize something I've only noticed briefly before. Mm-hmm. Somebody brought it to my attention, but he counts their entrance into Canaan and the. Casting out of the nations and destruction of the nations. He counts from the destruction of the nations to the time of Samuel. Before no, actually, I think I think to the time 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. He says, for, and after he destroyed seven nations, the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as inheritance for about 450 years. Mm-hmm. So that would be from the time they enter into Canaan or the time he, the, he took care of the inhabitants of Canaan until the exile? I think, I think looking at the history, that's probably more accurate, right? I don't think it was 450 years that the judges, it was more like 200 years or less, maybe, that the judges were ruling. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be that long, so I think it would be the exile yeah, that he's right, talking right, about. Right. It's not, he's just not clear. Right, right, right. But he would, his hearers would know what he was talking about. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. To 16, let's see, was there something I wanted to do between then? I thought it was interesting um, that, you know, women of high standing, it mentions, were used to kind of, you know, as well. So it's not like, oh, the women were all just little Mauricia Milktoast that didn't have a, a voice, you know, like they were. No, there were, know. if you had money, if the woman had money, she had right. she had ability to a little bit of autonomy. Yeah. But and you notice, though, that they use the women. Mm-hmm. The women are still, you know, not able to stand on their own and say, no, we won't do this. Right, right. Uh, well, their money gives them some power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they can be used. So, um, of course, there's the famous chapter 16, mm-hmm. 15, I mean, uh, of the Council of Jerusalem. But I think... I think we'll skip that uh, and go to 16. Okay. And 25. And this is uh, when Paul and Silas are in uh, Philippi. Mm-hmm. And they get put in prison. So 20, verse 25 of chapter 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. (laughs) Angels must have had some fun. (laughs) When the jailers woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword. When the jailer woke up, I think I said that plural, and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he was supposed the prisoners had escaped. It was, a, it was a death sentence to the jailer if he mm-hmm. let those prisoners out. Mm-hmm. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Mm. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without, his de- without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. He and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. And he wasn't fearing for his life anymore. No. Because he found something bigger. No. Very simple cast of the gospel, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Believe. They first teach him about Jesus and then he believes on Jesus, and then he's baptized, and that's it. He's a Christian. We would say, no, you need to get, we need to give you 20, 28 weeks of Bible studies. Exactly, yeah. And maybe more. Yeah. Well, with some personality types, 
this is, they just need a fulcrum like this, you know, like, you know, to kind of pivot, you know, and then, you know, do their 28 lessons after they get baptized. You know, you know, there, this seems to be the trend, though, in Acts. Yeah, yeah, right, it, right. It, it, you know, what prohibits me from being baptized? You've read me the word, I believe it, let's be baptized. And so mm-hmm. the Ethiopian unit gets baptized. We do things backwards, don't we? I think so, too. Yeah. Church membership and baptism should be two different things. And I remember my mom giving in Bible studies. And as I grew up, the woman, the mother, accepted Jesus got baptized. And the daughter was so thirsty for Jesus, and she didn't want to be baptized. But she told my mama, I can't leave my red polish nail polish. I have to have my red nail polish. And she wasn't baptized because of punishing her things. And I felt so weird. How in the world do you take people from follow Jesus because of their red nails? We used to do that. Didn't we? Yeah, I felt so sad. But it happened that she never You baptized. know, that's that we want sanctification before baptism. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can remember when I was a kid, um, we had a fellow that the pastor had been working with for months for Bible studies, and then he got baptized that day, and lo and behold, he showed up with a cross around his neck. Sure. And, and, and I was praying, I'm like, Lord, Lord, I know some people, one of them I was very close to, I went to high school with all her kids, please keep her mouth shut today, you know, and sure enough, after the service, after he'd been baptized, um, she had to go up and say something to him about that's inappropriate to wear at church. The little fellow was so devastated that he never came back. I had that crisis with um, one of my students in Hong Kong. He had something around his neck. It wasn't a cross, but it was something a relative had given him that he yeah. valued very much because right, right. of the meaning and the ties to that relative. Yeah. And we had to persuade him. I mean, the, the church was very legalistic. We had to yeah. persuade him. And he took it off for the baptism. I think he may have worn it out in town. Yeah, yeah. You right, know, right, right. Um, but I remember him being upset about it. And then, after he was baptized, church members came up and berated him for not wearing a coat and tie. And this is Hong Kong where that the... The, not the pastor, but one of the Bible teachers would typically wear, when it was hot, he would wear a, a very cotton uh, pantsuit type thing like Chinese men would wear. It was right, kind right, of traditional right. Chinese sure, garb. Sure. Uh-huh. And um, he wore that, and nobody said anything to him. It's, uh, brother. It was just... And that was the very thing I was worried about. In fact, I tried to keep that young man out of the baptismal tank. I kept trying to keep him from, not from believing, but from being part of the Adventist church because I was afraid they would destroy his faith. Yeah. And ultimately, that is what happened. He's so no longer sad. an Adventist. So sad. You wonder how many stories are like that, you know, that, yeah. that happened over a longer time around. There's a reason Jesus made the comment about the mill chain. Yeah. Millstone hung around the neck. And better that you... Melstone be hung around your neck, than that, and you be cast in the depths of the sea, than that you cause one of these little ones to stumble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt so sorry for this kid because, like, 
He just wore the cross because he loves Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't thinking about being a symbol or anything like that. He's yeah. just like, it's a symbol that I love Jesus. And yeah. um, it's horrible. So what does it mean to believe on Jesus here? Is it just a yeah, yeah, yeah reaction? What is believing on? I wish I could, I, I wasn't recording with my phone. I could look it up in the Greek well, I could. Yeah, yeah, why not? I could. There is a Greek New Testament somewhere here. Verse 31. It's Hebrew. I mean, Greek. It's Greek. Yeah. It is believe upon. Pistuosan. Pistuosan. Epiton kurion. Yesun. And he said, believe upon. Mm -hmm. I wonder what Paul means with believe upon. Have faith? I think it is have faith. Uh, really, really cast your belief on Jesus. It, it's more than just a, an ascent and then going on your way and forgetting it. It is something that I believe is going to allow for life-changing mm -hmm. influence. He doesn't just say believe on the Lord Jesus. Let me find this verse again. He also commands them to be saved. Now, how does that happen? We've, we've always tended to read this book, read this verse, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I mean, that's how we've interpreted it. I, I think what he's suggesting, and this would be, Paul is thinking Hebrew probably most of the time in the back of his head, to, tell, to order someone to be saved saved is to order them to find refuge in someone I believe if I look at all the Psalms and and how salvation is viewed in many ways it's it's that finding of refuge it's that finding of the Savior um, and you remember that in the passage we read earlier chapter 13 mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, verse 23, of this man's posterity, meaning David, God brought to Israel a Savior. And of course, Jesus' its very name means Savior. Jesus is Greek for Joshua. Mm -hmm. And I think in all of our discussions about salvation, that's one thing we miss a lot of times is we, we want the nuts and bolts of salvation, how we're saved and all of that. But the bottom line is Jesus is our Savior. Right. And is, is our Savior. He is the one who rescues us. We don't rescue ourselves. Good point. And I, I think that that changes the whole tenor of our trust and um, how we are saved. It's to recognize that Jesus is the Savior. Uh, anything else you find here about salvation? It's just interesting that the you know magistrates you know they locked him up and the next day they're letting him go. Mm -hmm. You know, just like why the change of heart? Um, well, that earthquake. You keep in mind they're not far from. Ancient Babylonia, where right, right. an earthquake was a, a very bad omen against the authorities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so when there's an earthquake, then gods are angry, and 
we must have done something to bring their displeasure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, let's go to chapter 17. Okay. 1 to 4. And Paul and Silas had passed, after Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica when there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Jews, uh, devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in uproar. Hmm. And it goes from there. Same scenario. Different place, but same scenario. Why is Paul so insistent on proving that Jesus is the Messiah? We don't require people to believe that Jesus is the Messiah in order to follow Jesus. We don't ever talk about Jesus as the Messiah. Why is it so important that Jesus be understood? As well, because the they were, he was trying to, look, you're looking for something to come that's already come and already been fulfilled. Okay. No. The Messiah has come. He's trying to convert he's Jews, and this is, this is the, the bridge. You're trying to con- convince people, like, the, like it didn't just happen, and it may not have happened in the same form because, you know, they're looking for somebody who's going to conquer the Rome, Rome or, you know, and, and he was like, hey, th- this one here, you know, is more of a, a moral Messiah, you know, that that died and rose again or triumphed over the grave to save you. you know? Yeah, his his kingdom is different. Right. That must have been a very hard gr- thing for them to grasp. Well, some of them still haven't grasped it. Right. And some of us still haven't grasped it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Witness the fact that one of the most popular doctrines in, Christ- in the Christian community, particularly in in evangelical Christianity is the divine sovereignty of God. Is the the idea that God is king and Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. That has become extremely important. Um, it has led, I think, to dominionism mm. and some of the other things that are troubling our country in terms of, politi- of the political scene. Yeah, because we want to be like God. We want to be like Jesus. Yeah. They're, 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 if, he's, if he's coming with power, then we're going to, you know, yeah, we, we need adopt power him. so we can be more like him. So, but it's, it's, it's his a, kingdom. We have not, a polluted view of power. Yeah, mm-hmm. and his his kingdom is not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever right, would be right, right. first among you must be slave of all. Yeah, and you know, you see it played out every day with this presidency. This guy is the antithesis of everything that Jesus stood for. Um. I still pray for the guy because he is the president, but like, he's he he's really hard to like. Let let, let alone want to follow, just because he, everything's me 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 me. It's not like what can I do to help others? What can I? I mean, he does. He's not a servant leader at all, you know. So, and I think that was a problem here we had on campus with the last administration, yeah. the, the lack of servant leadership. Can the idea that Jesus is the Messiah have any relevance for us in the gospel today? Or is it easier for us to accept him as our Savior and as our Lord? Well, when we say our Lord, we are kind of saying he's the Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And Messiah means anointed one, and the anointed ones were kings. Mm-hmm. They were also priests. Those were the two people anointed in, in the Bible. Well, you know, we have such a negative connotation, I think, with anything that has to do with follower. But, like, I've got it right on my Facebook page and on my LinkedIn page, follower of Jesus. You know, I don't say Seventh-day Adventist or Christian because the negative connotations are surrounding both. But follower of Jesus is like, okay, I know he's bigger than I am, you know. And um, and to be a good leader, you've got to be a good follower. You know, every good leader has to know when to follow, you know, and who to follow, you know, for and, and it's, you know, it's very contingent upon a situation, you know. So I think um, I think there's a lot we can learn from, you know, like, boom, that's who... That's my Lord. So for you, the anointed one is the one you follow. Uh, mm. That's that's the connotation it has. Yeah, yeah. And certainly that's how Jesus applied it to himself, you know. Yeah. Follow me and I will right, make you right, fishers right. of men. So I think what we're struggling with today is the concept of Messiah in terms of when we follow or in terms of one who we see as a power figure. A power figure he never intended to be seen right. as. He has moral authority because of his character. He know. has the authority of truth and love. Right. But right. he doesn't use the Gentiles lorded over you and, the great, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Yeah. And, and that kind of... I, I had this discussion in encountering Jesus a uh, week before this last... I don't remember now how it came up, but I was trying to get them to understand the concept of Jesus as one whose authority was truth and love. Right. And, oh, I know what it was. I had them divide into groups, and they had to choose two readers. One reader would read the woes against the Pharisees in an angry voice, and the other leader, reader would read in a in a sad voice. Well, they had a lot of fun with the angry voice, as you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they enjoyed that aspect. The sad voice was hard for them to read. So I asked them afterwards. I said, okay, so which one, which voice would be likely, would you be likeliest to follow and to repent from? Yeah. Angry voice. No question. Really? Angry voice. I said, why not the sad voice? doesn't have authority. Wow. That really surprised me. Yeah. But, you know, you watch television and you can see where they get it. Well, and you know what? That's why somebody as crazy as Trump was able to be president, because he's, he, scares, he scares people. Like, oh, I, I, I mean, he's, he's, more, he's more style than substance, for sure. But that, that bravado style of his intimid, intimidates a lot of people. To me, it's just like, you're a bully. You know, I, I wouldn't, well, I'd hold the door open for his wife, but not for him. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Not, not because of her status, but because she's a, a lady, and that's how my mom taught me. But, but um, he's a jerk. And, but um, so, yeah, to me, the sad voice would be what would convict me. That's, yeah. So. And so I had to try to teach them. That Jesus' authority was the authority of truth yeah, and love, yeah. and not this really kind of authoritarian stance. So, well, yeah. my hunch is that they come from homes that 
have that style of management. Yeah. Well, she's, is, see, they've fallen prey to this thing that respect is an authority is something mm-hmm. that's demanded rather than commanded. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the content of your character, like this whole idea of authentic leadership, like your character, mm-hmm. your, your, your integrity, that's what gives you um, longevity as a leader, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. real currency. Mm-hmm. It's not like how charismatic you are or how intimidating you are. Yeah. You know, because that can flame out really quickly. Yeah. Wow. So. That's shocking. So it was, it was a surprise, and I don't think I ever persuaded the young man who said that. Yeah. Um, he just looked at me like he didn't get, get it. Mm-hmm. And I wondered how much abuse he had suffered in his life. Mm-hmm. Abuse of power. So um, here we have the Messiah, whose kingdom is not force, his kingdom is not on power, his kingdom is on truth and love. Mm. And that's the one that the Jews are rejecting flat out of hand because that kind of king can't lead them anywhere, in their opinion. Um, And I'm wondering if we have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave it with that because I think that's what it's we a really need to think about. really good place to stop and marinate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll have prayer. Okay. And then we'll go. Wow. Gracious Father, we know that when we decide who we follow, so many times we are led to follow for the wrong reasons. And because we want power and we want control, But we ask that you will help us to have the spirit of Jesus who did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. And we ask that we will follow him not because he's angry, not because he's controlling, not because he has ultimate power, but because of the nature of his character, of truth and love. May that be what draws us to him. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.